Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, kinfolk? It's RJ Young. I am not on a step mill. Thank you for watching the RJ Young Show here on YouTube. Downloaded on the number one ranked show with me, RJ Young. This here is an early signing period special. It is early signing period, not early signing day. It's a P, but it actually matters because it's the first of three days for which we will have the open signing period for the 2022 football class. And off the rip, we got to get started talking about some outstanding and awesome news. The biggest recruiting coup of my lifetime, perhaps in history today, as Deion Sanders got in there late and flipped the number one overall recruit in the country, a dude that goes both ways, wide receiver and corner like himself, in Travis Hunter from Florida State. This is tremendous and massive. It's a historic win for Jackson State. It's a historic win for HBCU football because this is an FCS program. I don't care who the head coach is that went into Georgia, where my man currently lives, and got him to flip his commitment and sign with an FCS program that is Jackson State. Now, there is lots of scuttle to talk about about the NIL and how that might have been used to recruit Travis Hunter, to which I'm going... You think? Like, all right. So yesterday on the Twitters, I posted this short clip of Lane Kiffin admitting what we all know, which is that the kids want to go where they can get paid the most. That is American. That is good business. You want to go where you're going to get paid the most? I want to go where I'm going to get paid the most? We want to have the best deal in place for us and our family. Why would that make any difference for any player? To which we're getting lots of crying about, well, what about academics? Yeah, they could pay for academics. Like, I, I, Not to get too far into the weeds on this one here, but I'm here for the professionalization of college sports, in particular college football, and I have been. And those of y'all that are acting brand new like I ain't been on the program, yo, man, I'm at the front of the train. I'm putting coal into this locomotive. Let's keep it 100 on this. Anyway, Travis Hunter becomes the number one overall recruit to pick, first number one overall recruit to pick an FCS program uh, ever, quite honestly. And in doing so, has given Deion Sanders yet another win. Now, for those of y'all that are new to the Jackson State way of doing things, Deion Sanders did this last year, all right? On signing day, he flipped the number one cornerback recruit in junior college from Georgia to Jackson State. That is Dejon Warren. And Warren signed up for Jackson State without actually knowing what Jackson State was going to be about. Travis Hunter's got to see two seasons of football at Jackson State. One in the spring, one in the fall. And I don't know if you've been paying attention like I have, but Jackson State is 11-1 playing the Celebration Bowl against the MEAC champ in South Carolina State. Oh, excuse me, not the MEAC champ. Runner-up because FAMU got into the playoff. They're playing against South Carolina State in the Celebration Bowl, and that's going to be a lot of fun. If for no other reason than Jackson State is loaded. They got dudes, right? Uh, Deion Sanders has been into the portal like Mel Tucker, like Lincoln Riley used to be. We'll talk about it here in a little bit. And made that work for him. And I think this is even more outstanding because Jackson State is not necessarily going to always be in a position to play for a national championship because the nature of the FCS playoffs is the SWAC championship is played after the FCS playoffs begin. So Jackson State would have to opt out of playing in the SWAC championship 
to play in the FCS playoffs. And for those of y'all that are uninitiated, that game, that championship means more to the fans and the fan base and the SWAC than playing in the playoffs. And it has for years. Matter of fact, Grambling made the playoffs a couple years back. I want to say about, well, not a couple years, maybe a decade ago. And they chose to play in the Bayou Classic rather than play in the FCS playoffs because that's what the fan base is about. When y'all talk about college football and what you love about it and these rivalries and not playing for championships and not an expanded playoff, you're really talking about HBCU football where the rivalries are the thing that matters, right? Grambling playing Southern every year, that's the thing. Like myself, I want to get down to the Bayou Classic as Fox Sports college football analyst one day, right, to cover it because that's that's my Ohio State, Michigan, right? I love Ohio State, Michigan. I love OU, Texas, but the Bayou Classic is something else entirely. And then you got to take into account Jackson State's football program has always had a strong fan presence, even when they weren't good and even before Deion Sanders got there here in the late aughts, right? We saw Jackson State football fans show up. They were averaging about thirty to 33,000 folks in attendance before he got there. And I believe their last game against Alcorn State was about 58,000 people. They had that place rocking, and they are winning. It's real cool. Shadur Sanders, who was Deion Sanders' son, quarterback at Jackson State, put it best at their media days, which is, y'all don't understand, we chose to be here. We could be anywhere else. And Shadur had committed to Florida Atlantic before his daddy got the job at Jackson State. But he was joined by Shiloh, and he's joined by others. And they have been outstanding when they've had an offensive line and a defensive line that's slowly getting better. And Deion Sanders is not put Jackson State on the map because that's doing a disservice to the guys like W.C. Gordon, who came before him, and Walter Payton, and Robert Brazil, and on and on. But he is getting it back to what it once was, which was not just an HBCU football power, but a college football power. I got to remember to tell y'all, like, between, like, 1963 and, like, 1975, Jackson State has something like 10, 12, 14 first-round picks. It's something stupid like that. And Walter Payton was obviously one of those. But I had asked Deion Sanders right here on the number one ranked show, when are you going to get back to doing something like that? And he didn't want to get too far into it, but, you know, it's on his mind. And for those that are like, how long is he going to be an FCS coach? I hope he never leaves. If he does, I'm going to be for it. I want to be clear about that. I'm going to be on Team Dion wherever it is he wants to go. But I think this story in and of itself is just massive for me because it's not just that he flipped Travis Hunter, the number one overall recruit. It's that he flipped him for Florida State, which is Deion Sanders' alma mater. And somebody got on Twitter acting brand new and decided they wanted to burn Deion Sanders' Seminoles jersey in effigy. And I'm going, stupid, That that's worth a lot of money. What are you even thinking about? Why are you even doing this? Travis Hunter is absolutely that dude, by the way. Like, if you see him line up and you see him up against anybody else, you'll see the fluidity, you'll see the length, you'll see the speed. You'll see that Deion Sanders is probably going to let him play both ways, right? Wide receiver and cornerback, safety, kick return. He'd probably be all over the place. But Coach Prime and JSU did this. They used whatever means they had available to them to get that dude on the program and get him on there late. There was this Twitter spaces going on, talking about Mike Norvell for like hours. It's deep. People's in there just venting their feelings. But it also goes to show you just how much this was unexpected and that this was able to last until about 10 a.m. Central Time. When it became a real thing, right, and I got news sourced about it, I'm like, okay, let me put that out there that it's in play. And then Travis Hunter showed us all what's really good. He had the epic hat flip <laughs> to announce it at his high school. But man, put on a hat, flipped it, put on a hat, flipped it, caught the JSU hat, which could have gone either way, put it on his head, and that was 100% awesome. So JSU, if you don't know JSU Tigers now, 
you don't follow college football because it is the biggest story in recruiting this year, perhaps of any year. As a matter of fact, I was looking back at some of the all-time flips in college football, and perhaps, you know, we can talk about Dalvin Cook, right, from Clemson to Florida Florida State. You know, we, we can think about Justin Fields going from Penn State to Georgia, but nothing is on par with what Travis Hunter pulled today, and I believe it's not just HBCU football that's going to be behind it, but everybody, because this is a really cool story. It's a very good story, and for me, I'm excited for what JSU football can be, what it will be, and see what it is in the next several years to come. All right, so that's the first story that we have to talk about. The next story is, check a look at these recruiting rankings. We got, you know, Georgia, Alabama, 1-2. It's been those two at the top, kind of like Formula One with Mercedes and Red Bull for years, right? Basically, since Nick Saban and Kirby Smart decided to part ways and been going at it with each other. But what I think is really interesting there is Texas A&M is number three, Ohio State is number four, and Texas is number five. Texas with some surprise recruiting wins earlier today to vault them in that number five position. And this is on the strength of getting the most valuable transfer on the market in years in Quinn Ewers, who had enrolled early at Ohio State to take advantage of an NIL deal and to learn from Ryan Day. Saw C.J. Stroud be a Heisman finalist. Saw Kyle McCord go out there and throw for 300 against Akron. And saw Jack Miller go into the portal and said, you know what? I'm going to go into the portal too. And he took a look around and went right back home, right? So he is on the 40 acres, and I believe Texas fans ought to be excited. They, w- I mean, you got B. John Robinson, Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy all next year, and you got them with Steve Sarkeesian. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch Texas play football, if for only for one year, because B. John Robinson is that dude. But I'm real hesitant to say that now because of the way that some of this has gone for the suspected 2022 first-round picks. Like, I had Spencer Rattler's number one overall pick in the draft in the preseason. He just transferred to South Carolina, so he could go either way, and I wanted to go the right way for Bijan, but I don't want to put that on him right now. But take a look at A&M in Texas showing out, right? Two of the wealthiest programs in college football. As a matter of fact, the two wealthiest football programs in college football acting like it on the recruiting trail now, right? As they are number three and number five, and they got eyes on trying to finish there come the National Signing Day in February. Which another thing I just want to, want to throw that out there. Could have a lot more moving and shaking. Not everybody that was el- that is eligible to sign today, signed today. Some of them stay committed. One of which, uh, Gentry Williams, five-star out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, goes Booker T. He took a visit from Brent Venables at Oklahoma, and he took a visit from Arkansas and Sam Pittman. We'll see where that ends up for him. But right now, he's listed as committed to Oklahoma. So you get where I'm going with this. Even though, like, 11 out of the 13 commits to Oklahoma are blue chips. They're four stars, right? That also gets me into this. Taking a look at how these coaching changes have affected recruiting because so much of the so many of these coaching changes came just a couple of weeks, even a week before the recruiting early signing period began. I just want to take a look at who was able to bounce back and who was able to hold on. Like I thought Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame were in the best position to keep what they got because you kept everything except the head coach. And Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese have been doing a bunch of the recruiting themselves already. So all you had to do was tell people that nothing much is going to change. And we're just going to be energetic and we're going to be younger and we're going to get after it because we're Notre Dame. And it shows, right? They're number seven right now in the composite ranking. So, I mean, that's as it should be. I'm a little bit shocked here to see Oklahoma at number 10. Brent Venables comes in a week and a half, like 10 days before signing day, and is able to hold on to a top 10 spot for Oklahoma, overhauling the staff, adding guys like offensive coordinator Jeff Levy. And by the way, guys that don't show up on the signing sheet today, like Caleb Williams, who didn't go into the portal, even though 
You lost a guy like Jaden Hazelwood. Theo Weiss is in the portal. Spencer Rattler, obviously, is South Carolina. So is Austin Stogner. And so forth. So on. But what they have is great. Jaden Gibson, that dude has an opportunity to be outstanding as a wide receiver at Oklahoma. I'm very excited to see what he is. But kudos to Brent Venables, who put this together in a hurry and it seems to be able to hold on to what Oklahoma had for the most part and make a good showing on the first day of early signing period. LSU at number 23. All right, that's about where we thought it would be with the overhaul of the coaching staff. Brian Kelly's got rid of mostly everybody that was on the coach staff with Ed Orgeron. Even DJ Mangus was out just a couple of days ago. Tommy Moffitt, who is, has institutional knowledge of LSU and beloved there, he's out. But Kelly wants to bring in his own guys. He wants to overhaul the staff. He's able to hold on to guys like Walker Howard, which I think is a very big deal. And they will be competitive. I don't know if they'll be good, but they'll be competitive next year. And they have the foundation to be great. You've heard me say this before. LSU, I think, is the best job in college football, period. Because it feels like you can go there and win a national championship because the last three guys have done just that. Number 35, Oregon. So the morning that we get news that Dan Lanning has finalized his staffing at coordinator, we also get to see that they're actually not terrible in recruiting. Now, the thing I love about Oregon right now is there's a youth movement going on over there, which I'm excited about because the old millennials like myself, we're starting to get in there. We've got to start to you know, move stuff around. Dan Lanning is 35 years old. His new offensive coordinator, Kenny Dillingham, is 31. His new defensive coordinator, Matt Powerly, is 34. So you're going to be young. You're going to be energetic. You're going to be on the phone. And recruiting, that's that's what this is. This is a young man's game. You don't get much sleep. You're everywhere. You're always answering calls, making texts. You're getting in there. I think that this is the bones of what could be an outstanding triumvirate for the foreseeable future, you know, coordinators, they want to be head coaches more often than not. But to know that Dan Lanning wanted to hire guys that are like himself says a lot for me. And Lanning has said, I'm going to be at Oregon for as long as they'll have me. And all you have is to take him at his word on that, even though we know that coaches are transient. That's their nature. I mean, Lanning himself 10 years ago was a high school football coach in Kansas City, a GA at Pitt, run game coordinator at Arizona State, where he got to know Mike Norvell and Kenny Dillingham, and then <laughs> GA at Alabama before joining as a position coach, eventually defense coordinator at Georgia. So, like, he's been around, too, and that dude's about as old as I am. Like, I turned 35 in 2022. Number 69 is Miami, right? Matt, uh, Mario Cristobal making making some waves down there. I didn't expect it to be much better than this, but I, I didn't expect it to be worse than this. I think Miami's in a good spot. And if you're able to secure the right guys to be coordinator over there, I, I think you're going to be okay. Like Randy Shannon is a great hire and you get Joe Brady down there. Now you're cooking with gas, right? And I've always said that all you got to do with Miami is rope off South Florida, but you got to be able to rope off South Florida. And part of that means ING Academy. And then for Billy Napier at Florida to go in there and pull out five-star Kamari Wilson, that's, that's all you could hope for because Billy Napier showed up to an introductory press conference and told anybody that would listen, Hey, look, we're not going to be that deep in 2022 because I just got here and putting together staff. He lowered the expectations, and now he's exceeding them. Getting a five-star to join that class, even though Florida is ranked number 76 in the composite. This is all as of about 345 Central Standard Time, and if it moves, you understand. But you're getting a lay of the land here. That's what I want to do, give you some takeaways. All right, so now we got to talk about the one for which I know Oklahoma fans want to hear. I know some other fans want to hear, but let me, let me load it up like this. My alma mater, Tulsa, has never been great in the recruiting rankings. They just haven't. Um, not because they couldn't be, because all you got to do is recruit Tulsa, but that's another thing. They're ranked number 92 in the composite right now. Okay, They lost uh, defensive coordinator in Joe Gillespie to Texas Christian. 
believes Zach Hansen is going to be the next offensive line coach at USC, right? He was offensive line coach at Tulsa. Kansas is number 97. They added out of the portal Craig Young, Ohio State linebacker. That's pretty great. That's pretty awesome. But still, they got some work to do to be able to compete for the Big 12 championship, if not get toward the middle of the pack. But I believe in Lance Leipold. He's a good man. They got a great win against the Texas team that was supposed to beat them. And they got that win on the 40 acres. This is a Texas team that is recruiting in the top five. So they can close the gap with some coaching, but they still need to get some players. You got to have some Jimmies to beat their Joes. And then at number 99 is USC. All right. There are jokes to be had about this, but I prefer to look at it this way. At one point during the day, after Travis Hunter had committed to Jackson State, they ranked higher at like 102. than USC did at 104. And this is after USC added blue chip Zion Branch out of Bishop Gorman. It's a really great gift for them. And I think they're going to add other dudes like Damani Jackson along the way. So they'll they'll move up. But I don't know that they'll crack into the top 10, right? They would have to make some real interesting moves. But you knew that it was going to be a slow build for USC and Lincoln Riley, especially since, like most of the guys I just mentioned, they started late. But as, as I mentioned... Brent Venables got hired at Oklahoma a week after Lincoln Riley was hired as the head coach at USC. And Oklahoma's a top 10 program in recruiting rankings, and USC is 99. I don't think I need to do much more than that, man. He has some work to do. But he's got guys that he trusts, right? Alex Grinch, Dennis Simmons, we think Brian Odom, Benny Wiley. We can keep going, right? Uh, He's going to retain Dante Williams, who's an outstanding recruiter just in general. I think that's going to be great. Uh, He's got Roy, Roy Manning out there who's... Got his own issues over there. But look, I think that they're going to get right. I just don't think they were able to get right in this short amount of time. But again, it just it, it's hard to say that with a straight face when you know what Oklahoma's done, what LSU is doing, what Oregon is doing, what Miami's doing, what Florida's doing, right? Uh, you just you need to get some wins in there to, to boost your standing. Otherwise, you're looking at another 2020 recruiting cycle in which USC finished like number 64, but that was after years of Clay Helton having been the head coach, not being in his first year as head coach, and you're usually willing to give a mulligan to a coach in his first year, uh, especially when it comes to recruiting, and if he was hired late, specifically like the last week of November, early week of December. Okay, Uh, after that, I think the most interesting signing to me outside of Travis Hunter is Cade Klubnik. To Clemson, not not because I expected him to go somewhere else. I didn't. I, I mean, he'd been committed for a very long time. But it's that he has the goods to challenge DJ Uyunglele for the starting quarterback job at Clemson in 2022. And now with a new offensive coordinator in Brandon Streeter, as opposed to Tony Elliott, who's the new head coach at Virginia, yeah, this that was unexpected, right? Because DJ was one of those guys that I expected to be a Heisman finalist at the preseason. He was nothing like that. This year, and we'll see what the overhaul of the coaching staff with Brent Venables, obviously defensive coordinator, being Oklahoma's head coach, and I mentioned Elliott is leading the Hoos. We'll see what that means for him. We'll see what that means for all of them because Will Shipley's going to come back. I expected him to be the bell cow back, but they got a couple of dudes like Kobe Pace, who I think absolutely could carry the load for them. They're going to turn over at wide receiver, and Clemson's going to be fine, uh, especially if they're able to keep dudes out of the portal. And that's that's hard for anybody to do. But Dabo Sweeney feels passionate about his guys. He also feels passionate about tampering and how it's rampant, and he believes NIL is taking over and yada, yada, yada. But uh, Clemson has their way of doing things, and it's worked for them for the better part of 10 years. I only think that they can work for them, though. I don't think it can work for anybody else. They're uniquely built to have the kind of culture that they have because that's Dabo Sweeney. That's his culture. And everything that he's done, for the most part, has mirrored what Nick Saban has done, except 
perhaps with his coordinator's hire of Brent Venables, or excuse me, the guy that he replaced Brent Venables with in West. So we'll see. Uh, the other thing about this is the hiring cycle was absolutely moving this year, and we had 21 openings, but 28 changes of hand, right, uh, of head coaches. Two of those are black, right? One of those, Tony Elliott, UVA, and obviously the other one's Marcus Freeman. I'd like to see that improve. I also got to tip a hat again to Dabo Sweeney on this. He promoted from within. Um, I'm a loyalist. I believe in loyalty. It's a thing that I really admire about Sweeney, even if there are other things that we don't necessarily agree on, because I'm a loyal guy, right? And there are two schools of thought on that. One is loyalty is a good thing to get you fired because perhaps you're not hiring the right guy to push you and modernize your ideas and get you new ideas into your program and keep you winning. Jimmy Lake at Washington suffered this, but I also don't think that Jimmy Lake got a fair shake, especially after having basically won the Pac-12 North in 2020. I just, I didn't, I didn't get that. Shout out to Kalen DeBoer though, because he absolutely deserved that job after he would have did it at Fresno State. But the other thing that I really enjoy about what Dabo Sweeney said is, hey, look, he knows what I know. The only thing that is true in this life is you're going to lose. You're going to lose. You're going to do the best you possibly can. You're going to leave it all out, out there, and you're going to lose. Or you're not even going to show up, and you're going to lose by forfeit. But you are going to lose. Working it gives you a chance to win, right? And what I've decided a long time ago, especially with my intentional family and my close friends and the folks I work with, is that I would rather lose with my people than win with strangers. I, I don't want it that badly that I can't savor the winning because the winning with your people is, I think, what matters the most. Mostly because everybody's going to lose. Everybody's going to take an L. And if you haven't taken an L, then uh, you haven't lived a life. So for Dabo to keep promoting his guys from within to rewarding the guys that have been with him and seeing them as his family, I got to tip my hat to all of that. Uh, very excited for what's to come for those men in particular because guys like Mickey Kahn, guys like Brandon Streeter usually don't get the posh coordinator positions. They usually go to somebody else who did something else somewhere else, right? Uh, and that's not to say that those men didn't deserve it and that you don't need different philosophies to get through coaching or any other part of corporate life, quite honestly, where you bring in somebody with a different skill set to booster your own or to modernize what you're doing. It is to say, I think loyalty does matter. Um, yeah, man. All right. That is going to be it for me. If you like this early signing day early signing period peeve special uh leave me a comment in the youtubes below uh leave us a five-star review on the number one ranked show podcast please uh helps other people discover it i know i don't pop up and do these as normally as i used to but you know I'm working you see me uh, and we will see y'all next tuesday uh, where we have a special guest in store and we'll talk a little football all right that's it for me this yes.